Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, Scott Slade, this is this is for, for an audience of one. Scott Slade, thank you for your kind words last night. The measure of my affection is that I sat there the whole time. If you know, you know. Given the choice between giving birth to a velociraptor out my rear end or that again, I I, I think I might take the dinosaur. But for you, I would go to that. Okay, now I can... <laughs> I just, just, I, I, I got to That had to be in the record. Had to be the record. I got to move on. Got a lot to talk about today. I want to begin with audio. I actually just saw, so I didn't even get Charlie to to cut this up for me because I'm, I'm just seeing this actually from JD Vance's account, and, and this goes to a larger issue. This is Senator JD Vance of Ohio uh, on local TV in Ohio. Talk to Senator J.D. Vance, and he says he does not agree with the federal government's bailout of Silicon Valley Bank. But if a small community bank in southwestern Ohio or central Ohio or any other place in Ohio actually had a massive run on their bank, would they get bailed out in the same way by the, by the federal government? I actually think the answer is no, and that's a big problem because what it means is that if you have politically connected friends, you benefit from these bailouts. If you don't have uh, politically connected friends, then you suffer, and that's a real problem in our banking system. Exactly that. Exactly that. I, 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 there's, there's a tie in here. There, there is a tie-in here, and um, I, I, you know what? I think I'm going to do. I'm going to set up my camera here, and I'm going to record a brief video here, and I'm going to push it out to all of my subscribers uh, from in studio. I think this needs to be said, because do you know what today is? Today is March 16th. If you're listening to this in delay. Uh, today, three years ago, began our 15 days to stop the spread as a nation. 15 days, we were going to stop the spread. This has been hell of a long 15 days, isn't it? It's a very long 15 days. I don't know that Donald Trump has ever been fully held accountable for going along with it and platforming people like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. Dr. Fauci's on TV today, by the way, doubling down on uh, COVID was naturally transmitted and not a lab leak. Uh, and Dr. Burtz is uh, admitting that the lockdown was actually more of an experiment than anything to see if it would work. Uh, they pulled one over on Trump. J.D. Vance is on TV as saying, you know, if a, if a community bank in Dayton, Ohio, had a run on that bank and had mismanaged its books the way that Silicon Valley Bank mismanaged its books, do we really think it would get a bailout a, a, without having well-heeled Democratic uh, connections? We know that Silicon Valley Bank uh, investors, many of whom are major Democratic donors, had direct access to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and Janet Yellen and others to pursue a bailout of Silicon Valley Bank. So let's tie all of this stuff together. Three years ago, your business was shut down by the Trump administration. They gave you PPP loans 
And many of you experienced something interesting. Your employees got furious at you for taking PPP money to continue paying them because the employees got more money in unemployment. Your employees got mad at you for taking PPP because they wanted unemployment. They got more money being unemployed under the system designed by Republicans, Democrats, and Donald Trump. Your employees got more money being unemployed. So a lot of you had to shut down your businesses. Some of you went with PPP and you kept your business afloat. And then Joe Biden became president and continued to spend when even his economic advisors said not to. And you got massively high inflation. You got out-of-control energy prices when they began their war on oil. Your costs went up and you had a hard time finding employees. A lot of the employees you had who had left to take unemployment didn't come back. They were able to save some money, take a long vacation. The economy got wrecked and your business got wrecked. And where was your bailout from the federal government? When you shuttered your business because you could no longer make ends meet, where was your bailout? And for some of you, the Democrats have the audacity to call you rich because you own a bank or you own what's perceived as a profitable business. You make money, your kids are in private school, and yet your take-home pay has gone down because you've had to pay more to keep your workers. You've had to give more benefits to keep your workers happy because workers are in short supply. You've had to make ends meet for friends and family. You've had to be generous with others. God's been generous with you. You've been generous with others, taking care of family members who've run into hard times post-COVID, paying the tuition for your kids to go to a school where they're actually getting an education instead of indoctrination. And the Democrats have the audacity to tell you you are rich and you don't need any help and they're going to raise your taxes because your income looks high and they're not taking into account the money you are spending to help other people and to give your kids an education. Well, you live in the suburbs in a big house and you drive a foreign import luxury car and your kid goes to private school. You're swimming in wealth. Screw you. We're going to raise your taxes. Meanwhile, you're barely getting by. You're living paycheck to paycheck, like the guy who makes half of what you make. But the reason you're living paycheck to paycheck is because you have people in your orbit who you care about, who are on hard times, and instead of having them rely on the government, you're helping them out. And the Democrats don't want to give you a bailout. But the guy next door with the in this house, we believe love is love and we have no room for hate. He's got a bunch of student loans for getting a master's degree in puppetry arts, and the Democrats want to use your money to bail him out of his student loans. You're an electrician who couldn't go into houses for six months because people were scared to death of COVID. Your business fell on hard times. You don't have a college degree, but you make a great living. And Joe Biden wants you to bail out the Harvard Law School grad who decided to go do community relief efforts in Africa, which is a noble cause, but he thinks the government and you should bail him out for having done that instead of taking a job to actually pay his student loans back. Meanwhile, Harvard has a multi-billion dollar endowment and they could bail him out, but they'd all rather you, the electrician, bail out that guy and all the other 
Harvard Law grads who can't afford to make ends meet. And then along comes Silicon Valley Bank. The risk was there. They just didn't have a risk assessment officer because, no joke, the risk assessment officer took a leave of absence to go plan a parade of lesbians, among other things, from what news reports have said. Yes, yes, a punchline in all of this. They didn't really have a risk assessment officer when they hired a risk assessment officer. At the end of 2022, the risk assessment officer lived on the other side of the country and really wasn't there and that familiar with the risks. And the Federal Reserve said, we're going to start raising interest rates, get ready. And then they said again, we're going to raise interest rates, get ready. And then they said again, we're going to raise interest rates, here it comes. And then they raised interest rates. You never did a risk assessment. You bought a bunch of corporate bonds that now underperformed the Fed funds rate, so you became illiquid. The tech companies all piled their money. The the geniuses, the smartest people in the room, the experts, all of them used a single bank. They didn't diversify their risk either. You didn't diversify your risk. They didn't diversify their risk. And what did you do when the, 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 well, poop hit the fan? You all picked up the phone and called Kamala Harris, Janet Yellen, and, and Kamala Harris because you're political donors. And you said, hey, screw the middle class. We need a bailout. Come save our deposits. Now, look, I understand the concern of all these companies. They all use the same bank. The bank didn't manage its risk well. If you don't bail out the depositors, forget the shareholders, forget the equity in the bank, the depositors, if you don't bail them out, well, they can't make payroll for people. Those people then can't pay their bills. You have a rash of bankruptcies in this country, except they've already gotten their student loans bailed out. But when your business goes under, because you can't meet payroll, you don't have Kamala Harris's phone number. You don't have Bill Ackman, the hedge fund manager. You don't, you don't have any of the major Democratic donors calling the White House or the Treasury Department or the Federal Reserve. You don't have any former Federal Reserve governors on your board of directors. You got you and your wife and your kids and your mom and pop shop struggling, about to go under because inflation's so high due to government policy. No one's coming to bail you out. Yeah, look, I I get the economic consequences. I do. I get the economic consequences of uh, Silicon Valley Bank. But also, those should be the consequences in a free market. There should be risk in a free market. And when you manage your risk poorly, there should be consequences. And other people will be out there in the creative destruction of the marketplace to pick up the pieces and rebuild. And those businesses that all use Silicon Valley Bank that have to use the liquidated assets of Silicon Valley Bank to get a pro rata share of what they had, they'll learn their lesson. And they'll, if they're good, find investors who can swoop in, give them loans, bail them out, and make some money along the way. But all of that's been forestalled now. All of the things that are supposed to happen in a free marketplace have not happened because Democratic donors involved with Silicon Valley Bank could pick up the phone and get a bailout that your business can't get. They want to tax you because on paper you're doing well. Meanwhile, you are bailing out your friends and family on hard times because the federal government won't bail them out because the feds don't know them and they're not wealthy enough to be donors to the Democratic Party. A backlash is coming. There are some people who think, no, look at 2022, no backlash will come. Well, Republicans admittedly put up a bunch of crazy people. 
And all those crazy people got rejected. It was the normal people actually won. If the GOP puts up normal candidates who address this concern in 2024, I think they provoke a backlash against the Democrats. In America, it should not be about who you know that gets you ahead. Didn't really watch the Oscars the other night. I I don't watch that garbage anymore. But I tuned in at the end because the game was over and it came on. It was on the live stream on the front porch. And it was uh, the, the everything, everywhere, all at once, people won. And I went back and watched the uh, the actor who won, the dad in that. It's a Vietnamese refugee. And he said, this is the American dream. He dropped out of acting, gave up on it, went and getting jobs, came back in and he won. Won on the quality of his performance. That is the American dream. The American dream is supposed to be through your hard work and tenacity. You can get ahead, but you can't get ahead when the Fed is using your money to bail out the privileged elite from their student loans instead of making the universities with billion-dollar endowments cover their costs. You can't get ahead when the Fed is using your money to bail out a bank in Silicon Valley where all the Democratic donors are invested. You can't get ahead. The free market doesn't work when the free market is no longer free. A backlash is coming. The GOP nominates the right candidate who can articulate that message. There will be hell to pay, and there should be. The system is designed to work as a meritocracy. It's supposed to be that way in this country. It's not supposed to be about who you know to get ahead, but increasingly in this country, it is about your connections and who you know and whose phone number can you call and do you have enough Federal Reserve governors on your board of directors. And when that time comes that the voters are finally enraged enough and the GOP has a bunch of non-crazy candidates Democrats are rightfully going to have hell to pay. They should have hell to pay. What's going on in this country? They're not using the free market. They're not allowing the free market to regulate. They're stepping in and subsidizing. They're picking winners and losers. And all of us ultimately lose. Three years ago, today, 15 days to stop the spread. It changed everything, and there's never really been a reckoning for Trump or the Democrats who provoked inflation when trying to perpetuate it, I think that reckoning is coming. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him Bull and Branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him bowl and branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bowl and branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness. my Seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now. And... Uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had. And now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, 
other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. 877-973-7425 is that phone number. If you want to call in at the bottom of this hour, I've been telling you there's an action alert for those of you who are listening right now from the state of Georgia and your Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones is going to come on with me for a few minutes to talk about that action alert, something we do for our listeners nationwide when there's a big conservative issue in your states. We try to highlight those nationally to get attention for you guys to help out wherever you are, what's going on in your state. Let's go to Beth. You're going to be up first today. Welcome. Hi. Hi there. Good to be here. <laughs> I was. My thought is on all of this bailout stuff and the college things, as Americans over the last 20 years or probably even longer, We've been reducing and disregarding responsibility for years from the government bailing out people to parents bailing out their kids until we've done such a great job of forgetting and omitting the word no in our society and in our culture. Yeah, but here yeah. we are. You know that that's that's a, a good good way to look at it. When you you think I don't know if you've heard the story about the Stanford law students who had a meltdown over federal judge Kyle Duncan talking to the Federalist Society and the university treated mm-hmm. those adults like they were children and the children mm-hmm. had to be protected. Uh they they're adults. The, this this inability to treat people as adults, make them take responsibility for themselves and tell them no. Uh, and the inability of some parents out there to tell their kids no really is uh, ruining our society. And you know, interestingly, Beth, and thanks for the phone call. There, there's a I was I was in a meeting with some friends yesterday afternoon, and one of them made the point that uh, you you know it's not a theological point. Just just bear with me because I know some it'll strike you as that. Um. We we live in a in an America where where faith has kind of faded as as a major thing. When people had faith, they believed in an eternity. They believed in a heaven and hell. They believed in a divine judgment. Uh, they believed in in to some degree some level of goodness in society. When that goes away, when when you're when you're outside of the idea of everybody believes in a god and there's going to be a, a hell and a heaven, uh, well, you've got to mete out justice yourself in this lifetime because there is no justice in the next lifetime. And likewise, you've got to surround yourself with a tribe of fellow believers and and protect each other and have each other's back because there's no divinity to protect you, uh, to have your back. And that begins to screw up society. One of the manifestations of that screw up is your inability to tell people no, lest they later tell you no or betray you in some way. You got to have your tribes back no matter what it begins a cascading breakdown of society. When we come back, uh, school choice in Florida, it has just passed committee, and now it's on the vote in Georgia in the legislature. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. Across the nation, there's a civil rights movement growing inspired by the COVID lockdowns when parents got to experience what their children were not learning in the classroom uh, by watching them on their Zoom calls. And a number of Republican states 
took up uh, a, a an idea that originated out of Florida about two decades ago on allowing access for underprivileged underprivileged kids, the children of police officers and first responders to go to uh, private schools with the money that states otherwise would pay into public schools. Uh, if the child doesn't go to a public school, doesn't get this portion of money from the state anyway. Florida pioneered it. Uh, today in Florida, the Florida Senate Committee on Education has voted to expand Florida's historic program to more kids. Arizona has now passed school choice. Oklahoma has passed school choice. Iowa has passed school choice. Louisiana has passed school choice. Kansas is considering school choice. Texas is on the verge of passing school choice. One of the lone Republican states out there that has dragged its feet on expanding school choice is actually the state of Georgia. And under the leadership of the lieutenant governor of the state, Burt Jones, they were able to pass SB 233 out of the state Senate earlier this month. It would be the first meaningful school choice bill to ever make it in Georgia. However, it's still got to pass the House of Representatives in Georgia. Those of you in Georgia who want to get it passed, if you text the word ENGAGE, to 33777. You can reach out to your state legislator in the House and to Governor Kemp and ask him to be public in support of it. It's got bipartisan support. A number of black Democrats in the state legislature are supporting school choice. They know it would benefit their community. Joining me to talk about this is the state's Lieutenant Governor, Burt Jones. Thanks very much for your support on the legislation. Hey, Eric. uh, Good to be with you today, and thank you very much. Uh, We are excited about the movement of the bill right now, and uh, we, we like our chances right now, but love love being on your show so we can talk about it. Yeah, so it, I, I've gotten questions from people, and I want to allow you to, to talk about this one. The bill was originally drafted. It would be an expansive school choice uh, bill. It was later amended so that it only applies to a, a level above poverty, uh, poor kids in failing schools. Why the the level of change there from being expansive to everyone to restricting who can take advantage of it first? Well, just to be honest with you, this is a measure that we've uh, talked about or either brought up uh, in years past, uh, you know, similar versions or either this exact version. And, um, you know, we have uh, we've uh, we, the uh, Senator Dole's all made the changes in order to pick up some more votes. You know, uh, obviously the margin is not what it used to be. Uh, when I first started in the Senate, uh, back in 2013, we used to have a super majority. We're down to just a little bit of a spread uh, and you have to have 29 votes in order to pass a bill out of the state Senate. And, uh, and, and he was, um, he was trying to, uh, uh, get some, uh, particularly some rural legislators on board. Uh, that uh, you know they 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 listen to the talking points that a lot of the a lot of the uh, school boards or superintendents like to say about how it's going to you know uh, ruin public school. Look, I'm I'm all for public school. My mother was a public educator for 30 years. Uh, we're we're all about wanting to try to empower parents uh, and and give kids an opportunity, particularly kids who are in failing school systems. Uh, give those parents other options uh, besides just being stuck in the same in the same uh, system that's, that's, not, that's not serving their child properly. Now, it, just so I understand this right, it, so when a kid goes to a public school, 
they get an allotment of money from the county based on property taxes, and they also get an allotment of money from the state. And if the kid moves public school, the money from the state moves with the child. Uh, and mm-hmm. so what this law would do is take that money and allow it to follow the child into whichever school the parents want, whether it's public or private. Is that right? That's, yeah, then it's just state dollars. It doesn't, it doesn't touch the local dollars, obviously. It's just the state dollars, which we, we set a number on it. It's hit, on average, it's about $6,000 that the state participates. And, uh, and so they would be able to take those dollars and uh and and go to a um a school uh school of their choice and uh and and you know even if they were to choose to try to homeschool the child they could use those dollars towards that as well so uh we think it's a good first step uh that a lot of others you said republican states have done uh is very popular it's popular across party lines uh, I mean, we had a party line vote on on ours, but I know there's some uh, House reps, as you mentioned earlier, that are that are in the Democratic caucus. They're in favor of this bill. And like I said, this, if we really want to talk about uh, what's in the best interest for the children, uh, then then giving parents an opportunity to put their kids in the best environment for that child is the way to do it. Uh, that I feel like. Now, I, I want to not throw you a curveball here, but but a little more expansive on this. I know, and I don't. By the way, I don't want to put you in the middle of something where I know there are negotiations going on behind the scenes. But I do understand that one of the other contentions here is on the funding of the Hope Scholarship. Governor Kemp has proposed full funding for college for kids with B and higher. There's real hesitancy, I gather, from some members of the legislature that they don't want to put themselves in a sticky budget situation five years from now where they have to walk that back again. What's the lay of the land look like from your vantage point on, on how those negotiations are shaping up? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm for, I'm, I'm going to be with governor Kemp on this one. I'm for, uh, uh, you know, doing a hundred percent, uh, uh, hope scholarship tuition as well. Uh, you know, that's what the, that's what it was originally set up for back in 1992. It was set up to reward, uh, kids that did well, kept a B average and and give them opportunity at one of our university systems and uh and through the years it's it's been uh chipped away at uh for whatever reason and now we have a, a ability to uh fund it at 100% again and so I'm uh, I'm with the governor on uh on agreeing with that assessment and I think we need to do it as long as we can. Well, I I will tell you as as the parent of a kid who's about to head off to college I'm with both of you on this one. <laughs> And hope they do it. That would be good incentive for the state. Now, on school choice, the lay of the land in, in the state house, it's it's there. Committees are looking at it. We've seen this in the past, where it either made it to the, made it out of the house, died in the Senate, or made it out of the Senate, died in the House. Uh, we, if if there are people who are interested in supporting the school choice legislation, it's SB two three three. How do you recommend they approach their state house legislators without, of course? Um, putting you in a sticky situation of the intra intra chamber rivalries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just think uh, those who are interested in the bill, they should call their their uh, their representatives and and express uh, their interest in it because uh, they feel like you know that they could they themselves might be able to take advantage of it uh, and uh, and at least there'll be an option for them if they if they so choose. So, like I said, uh, you don't have to call and be. 
you know, bombastic or anything like that. Just calmly call them up as a constituent, as a concerned citizen that, you know, you'd really like to see this legislation pass. And and uh, the best the best way to get legislators to respond is by having their constituents talk to them and be in force on a measure. Uh, it goes a long way uh, in this process. Okay, now completely off subject. Before I let you go, and and I let me just start by apologizing because I've got a, a national audience now. We got stations all over the country. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah no, somebody from out of state wants to call. Yeah, call no, 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 nobody from out of state really cares about the question I'm about to ask. But I actually want to ask the question. So for those of you who don't know, and let me set the stage for this. So so Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones in Georgia. It represents an area south of Atlanta. Historically, in Georgia over the last two decades, most of the statewide elected officials have come from north of Atlanta. South of Atlanta, there's this vast array of land, rural poverty, very large counties without a lot of infrastructure. Uh, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, and and I I feel bad dragging my whole audience into this, but it it hits me close to home having Wilkinson County near me, one of the poorest counties in the state of Georgia. And what do you see on tap for rural counties south of I-20 as far as economic growth? Well, you know, I think is I've come from a small town myself, uh, Eric. As you well know, I'm from a town that uh, county is less than twenty five thousand. I love your small town that you're from, by the way. I love going through there. Well, well thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, and and we're one of those small communities. We've always had to band together to get anything, whether it's through technical colleges, transportation, healthcare issues, those kind of things. We've always had to work as a collective uh, community to get those things done. What is great about what's going on with the economic development across the state here in Georgia, and I give the the governor a lot of credit for this, is the fact that we are having economic opportunities and expansion, whether it be Hyundai, whether it be Rivian, whether it be any of the uh, cottage energies that feed off the car manufacturers, uh, they're going to rural areas of the state. And uh, which is going to um, which is going to obviously create uh, opportunity, uh, upward opportunity for a lot of uh, a lot of business folks and and uh, and young people who instead of maybe leaving uh, their hometown to go to the University of Georgia or or Georgia Southern or whatever, and then never coming back, uh, there's there's economic growth that is happening all over the state. Uh, even in rural areas that uh, might uh, might uh, tip uh, shift the scales back and get it almost get it somewhat even right now. <laughs> okay, you know? so before I let you go, I got to I got to tell you this. You mentioned Rivian. I, I've got a friend. He is. He, I I I don't know a I I I don't know that I know anyone more liberal than this particular friend of mine. Uh, I have mm. a few liberal friends. This guy is way to the left and had a Tesla. And he sold his Tesla because he could not in good faith continue to drive a car that Elon Musk makes. And he got a Rivian. And he told Mm -hmm. me the hardest thing about getting the Rivian is that he knew it was made in Georgia and he did not want to, like, give Brian Kemp or the Republican in Georgia any credit. (laughs) But he'd rather do that than drive a Tesla. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Well, you know, he uh, he's going to continue to get upset with conservative leadership, I guess, because uh, they're they're Rivian and uh, and uh, Tesla and some other ones. They uh, they're pretty uh, they're pretty business minded conservative folks. So he might just need to go back to the combustible engine. Yeah, I, I think so. I I, I kind of prefer <laughs> the combustion engine myself. All right, I, I got to leave it there with you. But thank you so much for spur of the moment stopping by, and and thank you for your leadership on this issue. 
No, I appreciate it, Eric. Thank you for having us on, and uh, call us anytime. Love, Thank love you. being on your show. Take care. Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones in Georgia. So, again, let, let me set the stage, and I realize I got, I mean, those of you all over the country, you don't care about Georgia. I get it. But this is a huge national issue right now. Republicans in Florida are expanding their program. Texas is passing a school choice program. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, says he will call them back to a special session if they don't pass it. Arizona has passed it. The new governor in Arizona, Katie Hobbs, is trying to kill it. The legislature has fought her and made her budget for it. Oklahoma's passing it. Louisiana under Bobby Jindal passed it. You've got uh, school choice programs expanded in Ohio and Iowa. Georgia is one of the very few holdouts among Republican states, and now it's got a real chance to pass it. If you're in Georgia, if actually, if any of you want to see how the action system works, and, and we do this for other states too. We've, we've had members of the Texas legislature and others keep everybody aware of what's going on in the states from a conservative perspective. Uh, we, we turn our actions that are on for you to be able to contact your legislators to do conservative things. If you want to see what it works like, text ENGAGE to 33777. Those of you from Georgia, you put in a Georgia address, you're able to use the system, contact your state house member and ask them and Governor Kemp to support SB 233, the school choice measure in the state of Georgia. And I hope you will. I also hope if you are considering using precious metals for your investments. I keep getting these questions. I actually saw a big story today uh, from Bloomberg that echoed the one from CNBC the other day about the massive number of people suddenly buying gold to ease the ebbs and flows of the stock market in their portfolios. Advantage Gold may be somebody you want to talk to, 800-450-2566. With inflation, the stock market, world affairs, the way they are right now, gold might be something you want, might be. A lot of conservatives who do their own investing really like to use gold if you're one of them. Advantage Gold can help you, 800-450-2566. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. They actually have a fantastic department of people who answer your questions without gimmicks. They're not going to do a hard sell on you. They're going to try to show you how you can use gold. And also, if you want to, in an IRA, a 401k, or a general investment, the different rules that apply. Because different rules apply depending on the means and method of which you want to hold your gold. And they can navigate you through that without the gimmicks, without the hard sell. They just want to be educational. And by being educational, they think you'll put your trust in them. 800-450-2566. 800-450-2566. Let Advantage Gold answer your questions on how to use precious metals as part of your investment strategy. Do not forget to subscribe to the daily email. I actually did an in-depth show notes email today for paid subscribers. You get 15% off by texting data to 33777. Listen to this tweet from Politico. Maternal mortality is going in the wrong direction in the United States. New data suggests a significant increase in deaths among pregnant people in 2021, cementing America as the most dangerous wealthy country to live in when you're pregnant or give birth. Strange juxtaposition, is it not? Maternal mortality among pregnant people. Not pregnant women, pregnant people, but maternal mortality. (laughs) Why not... uh, Pregnant people mortality, because maternal uh, signifies maternity, signifies mater from Latin, signifies mother. 
Uh, he signifies female. Female mortality is going in the wrong direction in the U.S., except pregnant people come. You know, there have been now multiple documented reports, though rare, still documented reports of women who identify as men being pregnant, not necessarily realizing they are pregnant uh, and having terrible health care outcomes because they don't present to the doctor as women. They say they're men and it, They've had problems. I mean, there have been documented very few, only a handful, but it's happened. And as as medicine goes woke and embraces the insanity, it's only going to get worse. If you want to improve the survivability rates of pregnancy, maybe recognize that only women can give birth and go from there. You, you would think they would do that instead of going off the cliff of this um, of this nonsense, which reminds me, the um, have you all seen this clip? The lieutenant governor for the state of Minnesota, this is probably the worst parenting advice one could possibly give anyone. It, it, it's, it's astonishing that this woman – would say something like this, and she's this is the lieutenant governor of Minnesota. It's kind of insanity, terrible advice for parents. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving health care. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job to listen to them and believe them. Next time my kid tells me he's Superman, I'm climbing up to the roof and throwing him off to see what happens. <laughs> my kid says he's Aquaman. I'm holding him down in the bathtub saying, breathe, child, breathe. <laughs> This is horrible advice. I did see an interview on TikTok with a kid who said that uh, since people identify as furries, there should be a hunting season for the people who identify as animals. Since they now identify as animals, we should be able to hunt them. And I'm thinking, listen to that kid. That's the one you want to listen to. Hunt the furries. Open season on the people who identify as Bambi. I want that kid to run for president, by the way. When we come back, Joe Biden has a TikTok problem, and the Democrats aren't really sure what to do about it because of China.